Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Right Perspective. Today is our first episode of the year of our Lord, 2024. Okay, Happy New Year. And we, yes, it's so exciting, y'all. I can't believe it's 2024. Time is just flying. And you know what is a great way to like really kick off the new year is just to make new commitments, such as subscribing to this podcast. Okay, click subscribe. Okay, like, share. We need you. Okay, on all of our platforms. Our audio listeners, we thank you all so much for engaging as deeply as you do. Video viewers, click that subscribe. We need you. All right. So we're, what, what's our content for the first episode of 2024? It is the 2023 movie musical, The Color Purple. The 2023 version of The Color Purple was just released on Christmas Day and is based on the stage musical of the same name. Now, the stage musical, that original Broadway production, it ran from 2005 to 2008, earning 11 Tony Award nominations. And there was a Broadway revival that ran from 2015 to 2017 that won two Tony Awards, including Best Revival of a Musical. And both of these musicals, the stage version and the 2023 movie version that we're going to be talking about today, they're all based on the 1982 novel, The Color Purple by Alice Walker. And she actually earned a Pulitzer Prize for the book and became the first African-American woman to win a Pulitzer Prize for fiction. Now, the wow. 2023 movie musical is not only the second musical adaptation of the book, it's the second movie adaptation of the book. The first movie adaptation, which most people are familiar with, it was released in 1985. It grossed $98.4 million against a budget of $15 million and was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. It didn't win any. Uh, it was also nominated for four Golden Globe Awards and it won one. So obviously, you know, with this kind of legacy, the bar was very high for the 2023 movie musical. What team would take this on? Well, that's a great question. I'm happy you asked. The <laughs> screenplay was written by Marcus Gardley, and it was directed by Blitz Bazal. And I should have looked up the pronunciation of his name. It's B-A-Z-A-U-L-E, Bazale. And it was produced by Steven Spielberg, Oprah Winfrey, Quincy Jones, and Scott Sanders. The film stars Fantasia Barino, Taraji P. Henson, Danielle Brooks, Coleman Domingo, Corey Hawkins, her, who and her real name is Gabriella Wilson, Halle Bailey, Lou Gossett Jr., Felicia Pearl and Posse, Sierra, John, John Batiste, and Anjane Ellis Taylor. Okay, this is just a list of heavy heaters, y'all. And with a budget of $100 million, the film earned $18 million on just its opening day, okay? And so for some, these budget numbers, this legacy, you know, this cast, all of this, those things will be enough to consider this movie a classic. Uh, but today, we will determine whether it is a classic from the right perspective. We'll do a recap, we'll discuss the movie, and then we'll take a vote using a voting symbol picked especially for this discussion but we gotta start with intros kick us off bro hi i'm aubrey wright i'm the oldest i'm janiah wright i'm the middle hi i'm Brittany wright and i am the youngest 
And y'all, we are doing the color purple. What, what was your, and I know we got to pick a voting symbol, but I got to ask, what was your, what was your relationship to this book, this movie, this musical, this content before you watched the 2023 musical? Before you answer that question, I want to make sure, was Tamala Jones in your uh, list of names? Because she was somebody else. I mean, I'm sorry, Tamala Mann. She was uh, another star in the movie. I didn't even Tam list her name, but yes, she played. She, yes. she, it was the intro. She should have been the, in there. To the whole yes. uh, movie. So definitely got to put Tamala Mann in there. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Tamala Jones, too. I love you. Yes. She, she wasn't in this movie, but <laughs> Tamala Mann, though. Yes. So what about your relationship? to this content had y'all read the book had y'all seen the stage musical had y'all um you know seen the 1985 version well i i guess i'll answer first i, I had actively for the past 40 years avoided <laughs> watching this movie at all um, <laughs> why I, I i'm sure i probably said this before i don't typically watch serious movies purposely I don't, like if I'm if I'm going to the movies, I don't feel like being depressed and angry and all that kind of stuff. Most most often, you know. So <laughs> the color purple would be something that I would have had to stumble on and start watching, or, or or something, or a situation like this where I had to watch it, you know. But it, yeah. I just never found. And so you like won't when, go see a movie called Slavery. What happened? Oh yeah, any of those. <laughs> not going any to of see those that. New, new age, uh, slavery movies. It's just not. It's, not, it's just not my jam. I'm just not. I I, I know, and and I just. It's it, at a certain point, you know, it starts to feel like. Is are, are we supposed to just be getting? What what are we doing here? You know, like at, mm -hmm. at, a, at a at a certain point with with certain kind of movies, and it's like you know. Movies at a certain point was more about fun than anything else. And over the years, it's it's morphed into a lot of things. And I, I'm just saying, typically that would be a movie I would have, you know, um, um watched. But um, I did watch it uh, for to in preparation to go watch um the new Color Purple, mm -hmm. and I literally haven't seen anything about that movie. I remember because when we were growing up, I don't know if both of you remember this, but it was a movie that it would be watched quite often within our family. Now, I, I mean, like our extended family, like if everybody was getting together, yeah, it was one of the movies that people would put in mm. that I guess was okay for in the rotation kind of. Yeah, it was in the rotation, okay for everybody to watch. But every time they would put it on, I would just leave the room and go do whatever else <laughs> I was doing. It's funny because. I remember one time we were at Granny's in Moon Township and they were, everybody was watching uh, Color Purple. And again, I left to go do whatever it was I was doing. And I walked back in and I walked in directly on the scene where the little boy was getting his face cut up. Right. Oh. And, and so I was like, yeah, I had the right idea. Let me just leave. But like, I don't know what's going on there, but it's funny because that scene was all I really had of the, the movie and it was yeah. interesting watching it now in context um uh so so yes I, I my i had no uh experience with the movie really up until uh when i just watched it the other day mm -hmm, mm -hmm. except for the active experience of not wanting to experience it 
<laughs> I was I would say it's, it's more of a matrix situation, you know. Yeah. Just, like I wasn't anti color purple, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't I, you were like just I, I wasn't like against it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was just and everybody was always talking about how heavy it is, and like you know what I'm saying? Like it's one of those movies that takes you through the emotional ringer. And the interesting thing about it, I I didn't feel that way. Um, mm. it, it was definitely heavy, but I think maybe because in my head I had expected it to be like even you know, heavier, right? Like, like heavy, 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 no funny right. moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the funny and the funny thing is, is like Whoopi is so talented, right? So like Whoopi's so talented, and her timing and everything is just very natural. And the thing is. Is I was feeling bad laughing at parts because I'm like I, I thought I'm not supposed to laugh during color purple right like, but she was doing stuff that was objectively funny. You know what I'm saying in, in, in parts of it, so I yeah, so it was just interesting that I was expecting to be in this uh, uh, emotional turmoil for <laughs> for her, you know two and a half hours, <laughs> whatever it is, and it, it ended up. It didn't end up being like that. So, but yeah, that was my first. Sis, did you, do you remember watching it in like the family rotation context? They're like, I mean, that's how I grew up with the color purple was watching. Did we watch it at home? I remember watching it at home. Mm. Um, But also I think I just, even outside of that and watching it, you know, growing up, Mm. it's just how much it has touched black culture. Like no <laughs> doubt, if, if you say to anyone, you told Harper to beat me. They like everyone's gonna know about. exactly what you're doing. Any, any, any black, black women, that is so, any black it's women so that crazy. are going separate ways, we got to do a maki da. Exactly. We got to do it. We don't want to do it. I just want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you, I've said that so many times, and I knew it was the movie. I knew it was I knew. Yeah, but that's how much it's resonated. Is it? I love Harpo. God knows I God do. God knows I do. I killed him. I killed him. Like so many people be. have that speech like down pat. Yeah, but you I know I, like, the think word. About, I've never seen it. That's, but you know that, it. Isn't that how, that's how powerful the movie is. Like, mm-hmm. so I think that that is something where even uh, right down to the little boy, what you doing that for? Like, you know, you just, there are these little parts that are in um, the color purple that we as black people have taken on and has made it a part of our culture. Yeah. So it just that, so that's for me. And then I, in preparation for the movie, I purchased the book. <laughs> I purchased the actual book and and I was happy I did because just reading just the preface and listening to what Alice Walker actually wanted to convey through the book, I was like, okay, it gave me a different perspective and expectation mm-hmm. for um the actual for the for the newer version of it that came out. Mm-hmm. And something that came to my mind was I was like, is this like the second movie maybe that is hood movie meets musical? For us, that we've done, it wasn't there. Was what the was first? the first? I'm trying to, or was this the, <laughs> hmm. the? I felt like we've done one before where it's like hood movie meets musical. It's a, but if not, this is like. Yeah, I, I feel, feel like you, you're right. I can't. I feel like I can't develop the. The I feel like, did but I don't. I don't. Yeah. 
Where it was like, it wasn't something easy like the uh, the uh, the Wiz. Oh, school was, days. Uh, school days. That's it. Musical yes. and movies. Yeah, the, the, the movies that exist outside of genre. That's right. That's right. I feel like Color Purple, this newer one, was taking a quote unquote hood movie Mm -hmm. and moving it into a musical space. And so now this movie has become part of that genre Mm. of hood movie meets musical. So, yeah. I would say say really outside of The Wiz, I I really feel like. Yeah, The Wiz too. Well, I feel like The Wiz was definitely, but, you know, a hood movie and a musical. Without question, but like the this one, I really felt like I'm like this is a musical for real. Like yeah. this, oh, like yeah. if I was if I was to think about a modern day musical, this is what it I'm was thinking it. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it. And you know, and so I will say, like I I don't remember watching this younger. I I I feel like it was present. I just feel that, but I don't have any memories of it being present. It's just like it was around. (laughs) So you've never you've never seen the original. I saw the original many times, but the first time I think I was in college when I when I really sat down and watched it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And of course, I was watching in a community people that had already seen it a million times. You know, so I I just remember it being something that always felt familiar even before I watched it, and I have watched it many times since college you know um but um uh what i wanted to do in preparation for this podcast that i didn't do was take in some of the stage musical do you know i was in new york when the revival was running the revival was Mm. like 2015 to 2017 i was in new york already i knew it was up and it was one of those things where you just take it for granted it's going to be around a while yeah and you just don't rush and i just I happen to live in regret that I didn't see it on stage. James saw it. And James, he's not the biggest musical person, but he's like, that musical was like, whoa. You know, at some point, stage. James is going to have to be a part of this podcast. His name, he's like a ghost of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> James, you're going to be like our first guest <laughs> or se- our second guest because Scarlett Skyler's our first. Yeah, you have to be our second. <laughs> that would be so great because he always has so much to add. Like, and so, for example, for this movie, he knew some of the actors that were in it. Mm. You know what I mean? So he always has so much to add. Um, but anyway, so. Bro, when you were just saying though, like this is a musical, um, I I gotta tell you, that's my big takeaway from all of this. Like watching it, it gave me the feeling that we had watching musicals when we were growing up. Yes, you know, and I was okay. like, okay, so however musical has become defined for us through life experience, I felt like this was checking the box big yes. time, big mm-hmm. time. So let, let's pick a voting symbol, y'all, so we can dig in a little bit more. Um, and so if you're new to our podcast, we always pick a voting symbol that's like specifically for the content that we're reviewing. And um, and then at the end of the podcast, we use that voting symbol to determine whether the movie is a classic from the right perspective. Okay. And, you know, generally, you know, we all make recommendations. We have different approaches. Okay. Aubrey tends to pick iconic imagery okay i tend to want to get to those deeper themes the deeper essence of what the story is about and Brittany generally doesn't prepare at all and just comes on in here like she doesn't know the podcast <laughs> and, and is recorded every two weeks and just I mean, says whatever on the top of her 
<laughs> what <laughs> happened in Goldie Bear and the three in the and Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Okay, what Papa Bear it was too hot, Mama Bear too cold, Baby Bear just right. Fuck mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a reach. That was a reach. You're welcome. That was a reach. Listen, all, all right. Um, all of our arms are long. <laughs> You're welcome. Way to go, baby bear. All <laughs> right. So look, I, I have one voting symbol to recommend. Okay. And I think you guys are gonna like it. Okay. To me, it is very much checking all the boxes. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. And it is a violet flower. Hmm. Why? Now, there is the iconic moment in the movie where Suge Avery, the character of Suge Avery, she actually makes a reference to the color purple. Mm -hmm. And she's doing it in the context of just talking about, she basically says, I think God likes to be admired. He likes to be, he likes to see his work admired. And she, the quote is, I think it pisses God off when you walk by the color purple in a field and don't notice it. Mm. You know, she's talking to Celie in that moment. And, um, you know, when I was thinking about that quote, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is is what Suge is explicitly talking about. And it's living a life of gratitude, you know, being grateful for every single thing and, and, and being intentional and noticing everything, taking it all in, being present. But then I thought more deeply about it. And I realized that she might also have been saying that purple is an example of the wonders that exist in the world, but it's up to us to seek out those wonders. You know, it's like beauty is out there, but you have to go and find it. And so if you think about it that way, it's just one of the many ways that Suge was showing Seely and trying to say to Seely, you deserve better. And only you can know what better is and you have to go out there and get it. You know, so I thought yeah. that violet flower, they were walking through a field of flowers. I don't know what kind of flowers they were. Well, actually, were... you you took it took my idea. And it's, mm-hmm. it, it, you took the idea that I had. It's called a hedgerow rose. Okay. Yeah. It's called Love a hedgerow that. rose. Love so. that. Well, bro, is that your voting symbol? Yeah, idea? That's a, that was the same thing. I, I had the same idea. I that. So that, that I had looked it up just now so I could say what the hedgerow name rose. Was. Has grown rose. Sis, what about you? What comes to mind for potential voting symbol? Well, mine was going to be either the purple flower or just (laughs) that that picture of the little girls. But I think we all, I think we all say the purple flower. I I believe. Has grown rose. Yeah, and I don't even know if that's happened before. But I, I I don't know. I don't know. But yes. So I think. The hedgerow rose. Should we call it purple flower? Purple or, flower. Purple, purple flower. Because okay. I think by the end of this, I'm gonna be like, "What's again?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, purple mm-hmm. flower. Purple <laughs> flower. Purple rose. Let's say purple. Purple rose. Because I think it is a. It's a rose, right? It's a rose. Yeah, it's a, it, the color. It's a hedgerow rose. So we'll say purple rose. Mm, love it. All so right. at the end of this podcast, the 2023 musical version of the color purple must receive three purple roses. If it receives zero, one, or two, it will not be a classic from the right perspective. Okay, so let's get going. All right, here. listen. Can I just say? Let's just say purple flower. Purple just, flower, because yeah, it might not be. A I just, I just caught another thing that said calling it a Cosmo. So mm-hmm. I, I have not done enough. <laughs> All right, <research laughs> to, purple flower, purple flower. flower. Mm-hmm. And Always, because uh, one day there might be like a flower expert on this, like that's <laughs> not a hedge grow rose. Totally. Hedgerow totally. roses, 
are native to Myanmar. What are you? Even? And I'll be like, <laughs> right. Oh. Right. And that's where it was filmed. Or it'll be like purple is the one <laughs> color that roses don't grow in. Right, right, Everybody right. knows that. <laughs> that. Leave. Right. right. So because I, I bro, and I'll be honest, I tried to look it up too, but I didn't look up specifically what flower was in the movie. But I was trying when I Googled and I, I abandoned it very quickly because I came right. became overwhelmed. Right. But the thing I Googled was how often does purple appear in nature? Because I couldn't think of other purple things that is so, that is other so than a flower. Something that you would. Because you all think of other purple things? That, that it, no. Some color but I'm that's just saying that's unusual. a very genius thing to Google. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, but there are purple, <laughs> there are purple onions. It is okay, purple. Okay, so stuff. that's the second it's one. Purple, There's like, different purple plants. Yeah, there's egg, well, that's, purple egg that's why. That's why I there's abandoned purple it. Purple cabbage. Yeah. That's why I abandoned there's, it because. Um, what came up was basically articles saying that it is less common, but it's out there. Yeah, it, it was. You know what I mean? It wasn't like there's only one or two things, it, but it is less common. Yeah, you know, purple flower. Um, but purple flower. Okay. All right. So let's now do a recap. A uh, spoiler alert. Okay, spoiler alert. Fifteen times. Normally, spoilers don't matter. Because our movies are so old. Our stuff is rusty, dusty content. And that's why we love it. Okay. But this is brand new. So we need to hear you. And, I, and actually, you know what? When we post, we're going to put it in the in the message too. Which we generally don't do. Spoiler alert. So people will yeah. Um, And so we do a recap though. So make sure that everyone's able to follow the discussion and participate in the, in the conversation. So let's do this recap of the 2023 musical of the color purple. The movie begins in 1909 on the Georgia coast. We meet two young women, Celie, played by Felicia Pearl Mpasi, as the child, and Fantasia Barino as an adult. Um, and Celie is 14, and her younger sister, Nettie, who's played by Halle, Halle Bailey as a child, and Sierra as an adult, they are best friends, and they are clearly like each other's lifeline, you know. Their loving and kind and generous mother had passed away and they're being raised by their father, Alfonso, played by Dion Cole, who is, you know, he sexually abuses Celie, um, fathering two children with her, Adam and Olivia, and then taking them away from her shortly after they're born to quote unquote, give them to God. Eventually, the father marries Celie off to a man that calls himself Mr., played by Coleman Domingo. And he um, he basically marries her because he needs someone to raise his three children and keep house for him. He is mentally, physically, and sexually abusive. And if that wasn't enough, he tries to rape silly sister Nettie. And um, Nettie had only come to, to stay with them because she had to flee her family home after her father tried to rape her. And when Nettie resists Mister's, uh, resists Mister's approach, um, he pulls a gun on her and he throws her out and he threatens to kill them both, kill her and Celie, if he ever saw them together. Together, Nettie promises to write, but Mr. won't let Celie check the mailbox. So we don't know. By 1917, Mr.'s kids are all grown and out of the house. His son Harpo, played by Corey Hopkins, has fallen in love with a headstrong woman named Sophia. Mr. and his father, played by Lou Gossett Jr., they hate Sophia immediately because she won't treat them or Harpo as superior to her. When Harpo does try to control Sophia by beating her, she fights back and leaves him, taking their child with her. 
1922, a famous blues singer, Suge A, replayed by Taraji P. Henson, comes to town. And it turns out that Suge is the estranged daughter of the local preacher, played by David Allen Greer, and was the only woman that Mr. ever loved. She performs at Harpo's Juke Joint and stays with Mr. and Seeley when she comes to town, sleeping with Mr., which Seeley really doesn't matter too much, and becoming very good friends with Seeley. At some point, that friendship does become physical, but the connection is actually something greater than romantic love. And as she leaves town to go back to Memphis, she promises Seeley to take, take her with her at some point. She, she says, Seeley, I'm going to come back for you. Before Suge leaves, she discovers that Mr. has a trunk full of letters from Nettie that Seeley has never seen. She gives them to Seeley. And reading them, Seeley learns that Nettie is not only alive, but living in Africa with, wait for it, both of Seeley's children. After Nettie was run away from, uh, run out of Mr.'s house, she found a job with two missionaries that had apparently adopted Seeley's kids. What are the chances, right? And by 1930, Harpo's ex-wife, Sophia, had a new man and a friendship with Seeley. You know, one day they all go to town together and the white mayor's wife asks Sophia to be her maid. When Sophia says no, she is beaten in the street, arrested and jailed for six years and then forced to work for the mayor's wife. Soon after that, Suge does keep her promise to come back for Seeley. And she probably saved Mr.'s life, frankly, because Seeley had actually reached her breaking point and was about to slice Mr.'s throat. By 1945, Seeley has a new life in Memphis with Suge. She has lots of friends and nice things in her own room for the first time in her life. On her birthday at a party full of friends and loved ones, she finds out that her father has died. At the funeral, she learns that he was actually her stepfather and the home and store that she grew up working in actually belonged to her real father and had belonged to her and Nettie the whole time. So what this means is the man that was abusing her all her life was not her father and that she actually had both a father and a mother that loved her. She turns that general store into a clothing store using the sewing skills that her mother had taught her before she passed away. And Celie's life is, is, is full at this point. And she has her friends with her, Suge and Sophia. They're by her side every step of the way she's building her enterprise. And for the first time, she loves herself fully. Mr. whose life had really gotten much worse since Celie left him. As she was leaving him, she put a curse on him, saying that until he did right by her, nothing he ever did would work out. And that clearly, that curse was quite effective. Okay, because he his life had, had gotten much, much worse. Um, and to try to break the curse, he seeks Celie's forgiveness, which she does grant him. And without telling her, he sells part of his land to hire an attorney to track down Nettie, the kids and bring them home after intercepting an urgent letter from Nettie, where she explains that the missionaries, that her whole group of missionaries, that they had been displaced and were in danger. And he was successful in bringing them back to the United States. And then as a surprise, he brings them to Seeley's annual Easter dinner. Seeley has not only managed to bring herself a life of professional success, she has an entire community that now rallies around her. 
um, and a group of friends that all believe in her and love her. And now to boot, by the end of the movie, she's got her sister and her children with her. The end. So, okay, y'all, that was a rough one because I didn't really write it out. I just kind of had bullets and I was trying to remember. Um, no, you hit it. Normally I uh, script it, yeah. but I got a little tight on time. So I was part of that was riffing. So that is the 2023. And I'm going to tell y'all, this is different from the movie, from, from the 1985 movie in, in several ways. It's also, I read a, um, I read a rundown of the stage musical on Wikipedia. They actually have a, a detailed synopsis of the whole stage musical. And it's different from that. So people really are when they're taking when they're doing these adaptations they really are taking time to to think about how to get to the essence of the story but they're they're taking liberties okay and alice walker's she's been present and involved in all these iterations by the way but these people are taking some liberties with these stories so anyway on that topic of taking liberties sis i know that you had talked about um you know you were the only one of the three of us that got back to that source content. Okay. You went back to the original, to the book. And I don't know, sis, maybe we should start there where you share just a yeah, couple of reflections. Yeah, I was really reflections. curious to hear that quote. I was really sure. curious. So I, I will say this. I had expectations. I didn't, let me say that better. I didn't want to have expectations for this new color purple. I just literally wanted to see the old one, see what it was and see what they did in the new one to see if it was similar. Uh, but there was just this large part of me that was like, for whatever reason, cause you guys, I read, but I am not like an avid reader. Like I have books and things like that, but I'm not like, oh, my whole room is a bookshelf. And so like it is, but for whatever reason, I just had this strong desire that was like, read the book, read the book. And so I didn't get a chance to finish it, but what I did finish with the preface before I saw the new one and I'm not going to read this. So I, this copyright of this one is, uh, cause I want to get that right. I'm sorry. I should have had that. So it's, um, the preface. So the copyright of the book is 1982, but the copyright preface is from 1992. Yeah. That's, so, that's like even better. Cause that's like, after she has heard and you know everything that people right have so taken that would from be it. after yeah. the 1985 movie yep but yeah, before yes. well before this current iteration yes and so this is not long but i'm just there are just like two parts mm -hmm. kind of so i'll just read them um whatever else the color purple has been taken for during the years since its publication it remains for me the theological work examining the journey from the religious back to the spiritual that i spent much of my adult life prior to writing it seeking to avoid having recognized myself as a worshiper of nature by the age of 11 because my spirit resolutely wandered out the window to find trees and wind during sunday sermons i saw no reason why once free, I should bother with religious matters at all. I would have thought that a book that begins, Dear God, would immediately have been identified as a book about the desire to encounter, to hear from the ultimate ancestor. Perhaps it is a sign of our times that, it, that this was infrequently the case, or perhaps it is that mm. the hate 
or perhaps it is it is the pagan transformation of God from patriarchal male supremacists into trees, stars, wind, and everything else that camouflage for many readers the book's intent to explore the difficult path of someone who starts out in life already a spiritual captive, but who through her own courage and the help of others breaks free into the realization that she, like nature itself, is a radiant expression of heretofore perceived as quite distant divine. Mm. When I read that, I was like, oh, you know, when you first see the very first color purple, you're like, this is a tumultuous life. Celie, you made it, girl. You you made it. You got land. You got a store at the end. Like, you're seeing that. But then when I read that, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is much. It is that, but it's deeper. Something that can then extend to all people in a sense of finding yourself. Mm. And finding what works for you. Mm. Um, and find and and in this case, in her case talking about um the spiritual awakening of if I the the divine is in everything I see, the divine is in the trees, thus that part where it's shug and it's talking about the color purple and what it is, like that to me was the essence of the movie showing what she wanted the book to be. Um, and so when I read that preface and there's a little bit more of it, I then went and saw the movie and everything just kind of fell together. It all made so much sense why someone would go into this direction with the actual musical. The, the, um, the new one, not the... The new one. Okay, gotcha. The new one, yes. Mm -hmm. um, so so I sis, thought... can I tell mm -hmm. you... So there is on HBO, not, they don't call it HBO Max anymore. It's just Max. It's Max okay. Yeah. On Max. I do wonder is, what the story behind that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, um, a documentary on the making of the 2023 musical of Color Purple. And it came out uh, three days after the film. So the film came out on Christmas Day, December 25th. And the documentary came out on December 28th. And in that, Oprah, she talks with all of the cast members, by the way. Um, I actually do recommend it. I thought it was a really good documentary. Um, she talks with all of the cast members. She talks with, um, you know, even the the people who who did the behind the scenes pieces that you don't normally get to see, like the choreographer and the makeup director and the set director. Um, and let me tell you, many of those people were Black, by the way, okay, which gave me so much life. Um, but she talked to who? Alice Walker. Come on. And it was so great because you can go on YouTube and you can see interviews with Alice Walker talking about the book and talking about the 1985 movie. But this was a chance to hear her, her voice coming out of her face, talking about the 2023 musical. And in the discussion, one of the things that Oprah asks her is, you know, what does Seely mean? in 2020 in the, the the documentary was, was obviously in 2022 because she said what does ceiling mean in 2022 and here is what alice walker said in response to that question it means that i've watched a lot of women become free free to express their love their sexuality their spirituality period she didn't say period i'm saying period <laughs> that but was um, the end of the anyway <laughs> in quote i guess i should say uh, but sis, it's it's what you were just talking about. So in some ways, when you're reading that her intention 
was to free people and to and to acknowledge the divine. Look, what she has now said in this documentary is that that mission was accomplished. So thank you, Alice Walker, and right on. That's really powerful. Absolutely. And so um, where do we start with this? You know, sis, you corrected me already on talking about some of the other cast members. Okay, let me just get a couple other names out there that weren't on the headline that I gave earlier. Mm-hmm. But um, David Allen Greer was in this movie. Okay, no, I don't think I said his name before. You okay. did, you did, but it's it's worth mentioning again. Mm-hmm. David and- Allen Greer, he has re... I don't want to say he's revived. I don't want to say that, but like he is like back doing something he's having a renaissance yes like (laughs) i'm like dave allen gray you're so layered you're so good so So, anyway well let's let's what what do we mean by we're surprised by you david allen greer it's because he's staying he's staying in this movie okay so let me make a recommendation and y'all tell me what you think why don't we we normally start with talking about the story and the plot and all of that but bro, your reflection earlier where you were like, this felt like this was a musical. Check the boxes. This was a musical. Why don't we start with the music and okay. the dancing? Why don't we start there? How did y'all feel about the the songs, the choreography? How did it how did it leave you? Man. you sources? Yes. <laughs> I, I enjoyed all of the music from the very beginning my soul <laughs> was in the theater i was like <laughs> first of all let me tell you right now i purchased my my ticket probably almost a week before i would give it about four or five days and i purposefully picked it and wasn't nobody in that theater except for about two seats up towards the front so i know my ticket had already been purchased do you know some people had the audacity to buy a ticket right beside mine why do people do that? <laughs> but when I got into the theater, it wasn't a ton of people because I saw it at 440 on a Thursday. But it was, you know, it was a good crowd, but enough for all of us to be spaced out. Cause you because you probably got a really good seat. And they probably I did. It was right was, in the middle. But that but that's what happened. So if you if you get the most desirable seat, seat, somebody will get they close get to up you. in. Yes. Yeah. They sat right beside me. It yep. was a couple. So I sat down and I said, Brittany, are we going to be uncomfortable this whole movie just to make a point? Or are you about to move? I move. I said, you know what? Let's not crowd each other. I'll move. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say, but y'all probably just bought these tickets today. Right. <laughs> so anyway, they was trying to stop my shine in that movie. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> so I moved about three or four seats away and I spread out because I was already planning to have three seats to myself. <laughs> and I did this just that. Yeah. So my soul was free to watch me in its totality. I couldn't wait. And when it opened up with Tamala Man, I was not expecting that. And what you all need to know is that on purpose, if there's a movie that I really want to see, I'll see the preview one time and then I don't plan on seeing it ever again. I see the color purple and I note it. I said, okay, that's coming out Christmas Day. That was it for me. I didn't watch any interviews. I didn't care about any trivia. I didn't want any of that in my brain. I just wanted to experience it in the moment. So the way they opened that movie so powerful, so powerfully, I loved it. But I will say- The song I, you're talking, the song Britney's talking about is called Mysterious Ways. And it was T- Tamala Mann, David Allen Greer, Halle Berry, and the Color Purple Ensemble. Halle Bailey. Bailey. Yes. Listen, let me tell you something. And but that, but in general, my favorite songs um were Hell No, nah, 
hell no. They, 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 there hell was Danielle no. Brooks in the ensemble. <laughs> Listen, there was no games. Um, but even over that was my was the song that the guys were singing when they were building the house. They dance and they sing so well. Working, I, <laughs> working. Corey they Hawkins did, in the in the ensemble. Yes, the and the choreographer. I don't know who you are, but you're amazing. And I was wondering to myself, I'm sorry, did they cast Alvin Ailey at some points in this movie? Fatima love, Robinson is the choreographer. You, she, she talks in the documentary and goes through her process. I plan to watch the documentary yes. after this is over. Um, so watching that every dance move, even right to when we were watching Celie walk through the men who were on the line and they were making the music with beating the ground and watching her walk into the waterfall area with the women who were washing the clothes. And I was just like, you're experiencing this movie. You're not just watching it. You are in it. And you're feeling everything that the person that is singing is feeling. Um, and I thought about the both and the of you song while you I were was just talking it. about mm -hmm. with the middle of the line. That is the song She Be Mine. And it's Felicia Pearl and Posse and the ensemble. And it is the it is it is when she has just happened upon a baby in her in a store that she believes to be her child. That she and then that inspires her to we go into her imagination. Yes. And watching that, and I thought about the two of you as the musical was happening, because you both always say it all the time, is the song moving us along in the movie? And I was thinking to myself, I feel like all of these songs did. And even if they paused you just for a moment in time, it wasn't a pause that was just like, this is unnecessary. It was a pause that was like, we needed to explore this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um. So, so yes, I, every, I just, I enjoy the music so much. Yeah. And what about you, bro? The music, the dancing. And I don't think I've said this too much, so I hope it's not, you know, it doesn't sound whatever, but I really think the music was perfect. I, I think it was, I think the I don't music, think you've ever said that, bro. Yeah, but I really feel like that. I really feel mm -hmm. like the music was perfect. I feel like every musical number was great. All the dancing was great. It wasn't too much. It wasn't too little. All of the songs had meaning. And even when they broke out, it made sense. Because, and when I say broke out, like, they would go into mental spaces, you know, like, so, so the song or the number would be in a mental space and you understood that they're like showing the emotion that the person is feeling in that moment. And um, even with the, and in the one scene where they, where they walked, where they were in front of the, um, I think it was, I think it was Taraji and Fantasia were singing in the, where the white staircases were. Yeah. And I wonder if that was a callback to the Nicholas Brothers dance thing, the, the video that you see oh. where they're dancing in that scene. Mm, that it, song was What About Love? Fantasia yeah. and Taraji Hansen. And that even made me think if it is, because I, I it looks so mm. much like it. I really feel like wow. it might have been a throwback to that. And if it is, it almost makes me wonder what else did I miss in this. You know, like if they did that there, what what did I, am I watching that I didn't see? But um, yeah, all the music was, and, and there were times that 
uh, in the original, because well, there was music in the original, obviously as well. I, I don't know if I. It's funny because I don't know if I would go as far as to call it a musical, but there, but there was music in the. It's definitely not considered a musical. Yeah, in yeah, music, one. Yeah, mm. there's music in the movie, but there was a there are moments where where the music felt a little for me uh, wedged in, and it's interesting um, what Brittany was talking about because like in the original movie, one of the, one of the. I actually enjoyed the original movie way more than I thought. Like, I'm like, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, There were a couple of things that bothered me that I'm sure we'll talk about once we get into story. But as far as the music goes, the number, there's a number where they're in the juke joint. Okay. And they start hearing people singing in the church. And then there's kind of like a church juke, joint kind of like loudness battle for a second and then <laughs> and then everybody from, battle <laughs> yeah because it wasn't like uh they had like, those in my apartment building but anyway please continue <laughs> there you go because i'm sure you're in the apartment building like oh oh, oh you're gonna be loud guess what i got thx up in here no, <laughs> but Meanwhile, I just sit in my living room and I bop my head because I can hear yeah, everything. You're like, oh, I'm yeah, like, that's mm, I, I like just playing in here. Nope. I go <laughs> in the hallway and I see where it's coming from and I send an email to management. But anyway, go ahead. It's a very Janai thing to do. Very, very Janai. But, but, um, there are rules. There are rules here. And as your de facto apartment captain, self-appointed, in fact. But, um, <laughs> but that scene where she... So like sugar singing in the juke joint. It's for, like first of all, what are you doing in the juke joint mm-hmm. on Sunday morning? Like <laughs> that a very was odd place weird. to be. It was like that a, was kind of weird. It was a brunch but, show. It was a brunch but, but, show. But after <laughs> that, they're all just kind of walking down, and and they're all going into the church, and they're singing, and they're walking, and that part just felt very weird to me. Mm. You know, and it even feels weirder now that Britney read what she read. Because in that moment, it seems like everybody was returning to that theology, actually, as opposed to, mm. um, you know, kind of transcending it. Basically, what she's talking about, like, there are these universal things that we all tap into. You know what I mean? That it, That's kind of what I hear when, when you read the quote yeah. that you read. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying, it's just interesting because that always felt wedged into me. You know what I'm saying? Like that that scene and that song and the way they did it. And they complete even that they did differently because the way they chased it. Because that was ultimately the part where Suge reunited with her father. But I'm saying in this version, the song was Suge just walking into the church by yeah. herself. And maybe God you know is trying saying? to tell you something. Taraji Henson and David Allen Greer. Yeah. And Sing it did that song. And I that, got a snap. And the, and the way that they did it, first of all, it was great. You know, not too much. Not to, again, it, 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 it reminded me of the sister act too, where um, Laura Hill and the other uh, woman were singing His yeah, Eyes is on the Shadow Sparrow. But yeah, so that scene was more about, I felt like, like, like I said, I felt like the scene before was kind of the opposite of, of what she was described in that quote you just said. But this one made it feel like it was a, a daughter you reuniting yeah. with her father. Mm-hmm. And I and I felt like that 
was so for me it was so much more powerful and it, it was like it made so even the small numbers I just felt like were really well done mm-hmm. and really pushed the story along emotionally so yeah I don't I like I literally <laughs> and I'm surprised and I honestly I'm surprised at that but like none of the songs got on Listen. my nerves at all Listen. but you know what though bro I said to myself when I saw it I was like, this very first scene, I was like, Aubrey is going to love this very first scene. My fa- that's my favorite one. Yeah, I was like, he's Aubrey loves so old school gospel music. I and I was like, that is, and that is what it is. Scene is. That is what it is. Uh, but, you know what it, but you know what it wasn't? It wasn't overdone. Because I'm no, going to tell wasn't. you, I'm going to tell you, one of the things that's rampant and out here in these streets is people over singing. People oversing out so here, much. okay? It is like, how many runs can you do in one stanza, okay? Especially, and you know, how much can just, you scream, you know, for for effect? Especially <laughs> and, in a remake situation. Yes. Because, yes. because like, and that was something that was common, I think, across the whole cast, that nobody was trying to outdo anything. It was like, this is... This is, a, and like you said, it was just enough. I'm not trying to show enough. off. We all know what Fantasia could do. Listen. All right. Well, we know so, what so, she can do. Yeah, we know what she can do. <laughs> but but like, she didn't have to, her single number, she dabbled a little more. You know what I'm saying? But like. And even, but it was just enough. It wasn't it was too much. Ju- yeah. That just, she had, she had a couple of songs that were just her. One was Dear God, Shug. Which is just her, and then also I'm here, and yes. then at the end, superpower. Okay, those are the ones where it was just Fantasia in that in, in every single one. She hit that exact right balance of giving it to you, and then just just roll this like just like just, smoothly yeah, just, just moving us through and just smoothing on. Because the thing about oh. it is what. What makes a musical great to be? It's like when it's like these songs are expressing what's going on and emotions mm-hmm. and what they what they're feeling it's not really about the song it's right. it, the song is a function you know showing what's it's a going tool. on it's a tool and if you get to you. a point it's a tool it's a tool it's a tool to, to use to to explain what's going on and when you're and when you're doing too much it starts being about the song rather than yes. moving that story yes yes and let me just read out some of these songs, okay? So there was Huckleberry Pie, which was Halle Bailey, Halle Bailey and Felicia Perone Posse, Mysterious Ways. We already went through that list. She Be Mine, which was Felicia Perlin Posse. Oh, sis, that was that vivid imagery you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Keep It Moving, Halle and Felicia, Working, Corey Hawkins, Hell No, Danielle Brooks, Suge Avery by Fantasia and Coleman Domingo. Dear God, mm-hmm. Shug, Fantasia, push the button to Raji P. Henson. What? What about love? Yes. Fantasia, Taraji P. Henson, Agu, the Color Purple Ensemble, Hell No Reprise, Miss Sealy's Blues, Taraji P. Henson, that sister, uh, Miss Sealy's Pants, Fantasia, Danielle Brooks, Taraji <laughs> Henson, and her. I'm here, Fantasia. Maybe God is trying to tell you something, Taraji and David Allen Greer, the Color Purple. Fantasia, Danielle Brooks, Taraji B. Henson, Sierra, Corey Hawkins, and Coleman Domingo. That was that end scene around the tree. Ugh, and then ooh. Superpower, Cheers. Fantasia. Now, that's sis, the main which track song, list. Which song was it that 
because I felt like it was a reprise of um of of Sophia's song whenever Celie was going to see her in prison. Mm, I Which think that was, was a callback to hell no. Okay. It might have me... been. It's not listed here as okay. a separate. It's not on this particular list. I and held it. Is... I held oh, go ahead, bro. I want to ask Janai, do you know it seemed like there wasn't no lip singing in this whole? I mean, I'm saying everybody sang for their own. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Everybody, everybody and, was that was their voice. I did I'm not read about you, anybody like, having a voice, nobody person. And that nobody. And that in and of itself, with oh, how many people they had seen, okay, mm. that everybody did their own little thing, and there wasn't even any weak points. And it, even when it's just None. like, like you know, we we always talk about one of our favorites, uh, my fair lady, and, and they had uh, oh man, his name escapes me, but he did the um talk singing, That's, you know? yeah, and, and it was cool because they actually kind of fit. His character, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, but it was, but it was clearly a situation. Well, to me, Rex it looked Harrison, like a situation. Who was playing yes. Professor Henry Higgins? He didn't sing; right. he just kind of talked. Yeah, he talked, but it seemed to me it seemed like a situation where they were like, "This dude is just perfect, but he can't sing." That's the only thing he can't right. sing. So we're just gonna put him in, and we'll have him talk. We'll figure it out. See, yeah, we'll figure that out. And he did and so, such a good job. He did. He, he was. And it was great. Rapping. And it was great. But the point I'm trying to make is. If there was none of that in this. Like, like Eric, I don't know. It's I didn't know all these people sing. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh everybody. my gosh, just tore the roof off the place. Yeah, I mean, that that reprise I was talking about, you guys, I held it together in that movie. When she but it was hard? Out of that, yes, no. I held it until she was walking out of that prison. And my eyes, I was done. I was sobbing. I was sitting in my chair sobbing. Like when she was walking out of that prison from Sophia, because yes, it's, me, it's a hell no reprise. Yes. Fantasia uh, and Taraji listen, P. Henson. What so part of what Janiah was talking about earlier with Sophia going to jail, it wasn't just because she told the mayor's wife no, she told her hell no. And then the mayor, and then the mayor approached her and slapped her. And Sophia punched him. Yup. And that is when all the there was a mob of white people that came and beat her up and put her in gym and in the jail. And it wasn't just that they beat her up, they broke Sophia's spirit. Yeah. And so she was in prison, she was in jail for six years for telling somebody no and then fighting back for herself. For saying no to a job invitation. For to, to be a man. Which wasn't really an invitation. Yeah. It wasn't an invitation. She was in and, and Sophia was partly a business owner because that juke joint was made in her old house that she had moved out of, but we won't get into that. But her, it was a it was rude because she had said it no politely at first. And then it was like, hell no, I don't want to be your maid. Like, where why are you asking me that? So to me, in this scene, when Fantasia was walking away from the prison because they allowed her to come see her to drop her off some food on Thanksgiving, which in the original movie, it seemed as though she got a chance to go home (laughs) for Christmas. But this time it just showed her being able to go, um, to uh, being in the prison. And we got a chance to see that. And when Fantasia was walking out, when the guard told her she had to leave, this is when she was finding her strength. Mm-hmm. This is when she was beginning to find her voice, but you can tell that there was so much emotion behind it. 
I'm mm. angry because I'm in this horrible marriage that I didn't ask to be in. I'm angry because one of my closest friends, my daughter-in-law basically is in prison for just telling someone no, that she doesn't want to be a maid. I'm in, I'm just, there was so much layered happening in that. And I felt it through the screen and that was it for me. I was in there like, <laughs> I'm well, sis, you, girl. Let, no. let, the, let the record show you made it longer than I did. I <laughs> cried during She Be Mine because this is <clears> so, <throat> yes. so listen, let me just say if anybody took my sister away from me, I would be done. And if anybody took my child away from me, I honestly, y'all, I, th I, that started the waterworks for me and it just kept going through the whole movie because I was just the, just to have the experience of being pregnant, bringing a child into the world, holding your child in your arms for a day or two and somebody just taking, and not just anybody taking a child from you, someone who hates you and rapes you. And is the father of the child to just take the child away. You never see him again. I just, honestly, I couldn't handle it. So since you made it much further than I did, I was so heartbroken for this character. I was so heartbroken in this story. Um, but at the same time, and this is back to the point you were saying and earlier, shout out bro. to Dion Cole. You did an amazing job. I, it took me a minute to recognize that oh. that's who it was. He did. He said that out comedians. I said, you know what, Dion? You show that rage. Because I was about to slice him that day. Oh, man, I wanted to kill him. He seems like somebody puts a lot of work into. Because if you watch his older stand-up comedy through now, he's really, he seems like somebody who works at his craft. Okay. Absolutely. Now, he was always good. You know what I mean? Like, like he was, back in the day, he was like a, you know, chubby, fat, comedian and he just had this very original kind of deadpan way of of uh he used to have his jokes in, the, in his pocket he'd be like I'm about to tell y'all some I wrote some jokes I'm about to tell y'all some jokes we <laughs> and, and like he this, but I'm just saying to I see think him he still does that but mm -hmm. it is yeah. that's his that's his that's, that's his thing he yeah. he'll always do it at least a part you know what I mean of his yes which he's staying uh, true to who he is, but I'm just saying, he seems like somebody who's like, I'm gonna work to be good at all these different. Yes, and yeah. Bay and Dion, listen here, Mr. mission Cole. accomplished, sir. Yeah, you've done it. So we can talk he about has the a show on Let's FX. Do Doesn't he have a show on FX? I didn't, haven't gotten it. I because mm -hmm. I don't have that channel, mm -hmm. but I've seen the commercial for it. He has a, a serious show that mm -hmm. is out, and I haven't gotten a chance to watch it because I, I again, I don't think I have that channel. Sorry, average Joe something That's started it. in 2023 mm -hmm. okay okay this so. is quite a cast here he got malcolm barrett in here tammy townsend ashley olivia fisher cynthia k mcwilliams yeah okay they're in season one so can, can we, season can we speak one winter, on 2023 have you watched average joe no, no i'm, I'm saying i'm like, saying if we're, if oh. we're it feels like we're transitioning to talking about yeah 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 do it you know what i'm saying I uh, the one thing I just say about the acting is that again, there were no weak points. Mm -hmm. There were no weak points. But the other thing I really loved about how these actors, what they did, all of them did the exact amount. Nobody like the lines that were supposed to be the lines, they did them. 
and they did them not more or less or just they just everybody knocked out knocked their line out of the park you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying because like mm-hmm. what you see at, at first I didn't even know if they were going to have um Sophia I didn't in the very beginning it didn't seem like they were going to do that part like I, I didn't know because it almost seemed like they were having her abuse and more than more than anything <laughs> in, in the but when she said that line, uh, you know, when she, you know, I love Harper, and I mean, she just, she just that scene like, as well. Woo. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, like everybody, all the little parts that were, it, it just when you're, this is how you do a remake, in my opinion. Like, because nobody, you ever hear a remake of a song that you start, they start throwing so many runs and stuff, and it's like, look, man, the song was already it sounds good. terrible. Okay, and now do you're it. just making me want to stop this and go search for the original <laughs> song. I don't want to hear your reimagination. Just write something else then. <laughs> but, yes. Well, bro, I'm actually I, really happy you said that because yeah. um, in the documentary, you know, you get to hear from the director and from the writer. And one of the things the director said, he was like, you know, this is not a remake. This is a reimagining. Mm. And part of what he was talking about that made it unique was the opportunity to kind of see what's going on in Celie's mind. Mm. This is the first iteration where you get to kind of really understand her interior dialogue a little bit more. And they do that with the visuals. And when Brittany let me know that the book was really a series of letters to God uh, for the mostly, mostly to God, I think it then it turns into letters to her sister. Mm-hmm. but that it's letters to God um, that the original book is all an interior conversation. It's all interior dialogue. And now they have found a way in this latest iteration to, to put that on the screen visually so that we're actually inside of Celie's head for certain parts of the film. So it's, it is, again, it's going back to the roots a little bit. And, um, and bro, as you're t- taking us to talk about the... Um, the performances, and I love that you 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 started this this discussion of the acting with the you told Harpo to beat me scene because in the documentary, Oprah and Danielle Brooks on when they first see each other on set, the first day on set, they get to each other and they both just start crying. Mm-hmm. And part of it is Oprah's journey and experience with this content. And, um, and I wanted to tell you all about that. So, um, Oprah, um, the way that she actually came across the color purple, she was doing a local television program in Chicago at the time. And, um, she was home from church sick one day and she was reading the New York times and saw the review of the book. She went right to the bookstore. She said, put on her galoshes. She said, they're rubber boots. We call them galoshes at the time. Uh, put on her galoshes. And she went and got the book. And she said she read it all in one session and ended up, before that bookstore even closed that same day, going back to buy all the copies they had in the store. And she gave them out to people after that because the book was so powerful for her. What made it so powerful is that um, apparently at the very beginning of the book, one of the first letters to God, the um, silly character is saying, I'm 14 years old and I'm trying to understand God, what is happening to me and why? 
And for Oprah, it was her story because she had been molested at 14 and she had birthed a child as a result of being molested. And I didn't know that about Oprah's story. And in addition to Oprah's connection to the content, this is now a segue to Fantasia, y'all. Fantasia had a deep connection to this content. She was, she said that she was picked on bullied and she was actually molested at the age of seven or eight. And so when she was living in this character, she said, even though she has done the work to heal from these things and to move on from these things, when she steps into Celie's shoes, all of those things come up for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we're talking about she sang those songs and she delivered those lines and she told that story and she brought us along, it's because that is her story as well, you know? Um, and so I think about, um, Danielle Brooks, you know, being a plus size, dark skinned woman, she has had to, she's had to, to stand in her truth. That's the only way nobody's going to hold you in your truth when you're walking in those shoes, not in this country and in this world, really. Um, and so I think about the way that she had to use her own experience in these characters. So I think part of the brilliance of the casting um, was it was choosing people that weren't just going to, you know, do a textbook. Oh, let me take on acting, this role. Take and, on the yeah. role. These are people who are pouring their souls into these mm, performances. Yeah. And I think we felt that. And I got to tell you, Fantasia, yeah. you knocked my socks off, girl. I didn't know you had them there. <laughs> And those two, Fantasia and Danielle Brooks, they both were in the stage musical on Broadway. Oh, so remember okay. that? I didn't and know that. They played those the, same the one, two um, roles. She played Celia and she played Sophia on Broadway. I love that. Danielle Brooks was in, a, is in, was in that show, Orange, New, Orange is the New Black. I like yes. that. I like Let me that tell show. you something. Danielle Brooks, I don't know if you're ever going to see this podcast. <laughs> I hope she does. But your engagement photos... Oh my God. Girl, you are gorgeous. Even She's in so this movie, gorgeous. She's so good. You're so gorgeous. I just, when I see you, I light up all the confidence I need oozes out my ears. I just want you to know that watching you, seeing you, you are amazing. Ba- Ooh, and she little, had, in that, addition to her, she, all of her acting work, but she also had, just since we we're talking, since we we're sending a special message to Daniel Brooks. She had a show that was, uh, it had just eight episodes and it was in, it was last year and it was called Instant Dream Home. And it was a home makeover show and she was the host of it. And what they would do is they would essentially in one day, in one business day, they would remake a whole a person's home. So they have an accomplice. So it would be like the grandma and the husband are making over the home and the wife don't know. So then they come up with some reason to take the wife away for the day. And they redo the whole house. And then the wife comes back at the end of the day and the wife comes back. And Danielle Brooks, look, I just thought of all of, like, if you were going to, like, it was just such a perfect and fun show. And her energy just made it even better. She's just great. Because that was just her being her. You know? And it was just, I just, she's a delight. She's a delight. She's so skilled. She was was perfect for the role. Everything was... The only um, 
the casting, I felt every everything was perfect. Again, mm-hmm. I, I felt like all the the only one that was a little was um Lou Gossett, just because <laughs> not because of what he, not because it is acting. I just felt like for the earlier. <laughs> I'm right. laughing because I agree. No, I'm just saying. What? I, what? No, no, not for. I, I'm talking about as a as an age choice for the for the younger. Yeah. Part it it just felt like he looked very much <laughs> older than, than that <laughs> role. You know what I'm saying? Like like the. I was like, no, hold on now, Lou. <laughs> and, it, and it seemed like they. And, but the thing is, is I think that you get all. Overall, I mean, it's Lugas, you know, right? Like, 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 so, so like, you get, it's not something you get hung up on at all. But it was just one of those things that. Okay, well, me. I have a casting choice that is again. I have Greece. one like that. Then it was two. <laughs> he went to Greece High School. Yeah, he went to Greece High School. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, why are you wearing dentures in high school? But, um, <laughs> but I, I so, like, now wait thirty years from now. Let me count now. Yeah, especially, especially <laughs> these people who was having kids at like fourteen. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like these people, fifteen, now, sixteen me. years old, and they're having kids. <laughs> They all kind of look the same age at a certain point. Like, the whole generation is only 20 years apart. Is that, <laughs> now, Lou, in real life, you might not be here. You've been looking a little different yeah. than this. Well, let me tell oh, you, I, I, have a, I have a casting little thing just like that, where you don't get hung up on it, yeah, but you don't know get that. Hung up on it. And that is that they made Celie's sister light, lighter, lighter skinned. Now, mm-hmm. not light skin, but like brown skin yeah. in Halle Bailey and Sierra. And the only reason that that is worth noting is that part of what is unfortunate is that Celie has just been labeled as ugly. Somebody just decided it wasn't necessarily about how she looked. And in the 1985 movie, the distance in features between the two sisters were one they had just decided she was smart and was going to go to school and one they had decided was ugly and was going to be mistreated there really wasn't a physical huge difference between the two of them they were just two cute little dark-skinned girls but they had just decided that one was going to be one thing one was going to be the other whereas now you had two sisters where one had some of those features that are more coveted in a racist colorist Mm-hmm. you know society um and so it added another layer to why one sister was being treated better than the other yes um and that was I part thought, of the reason why i wanted to read the book yeah that was and part again of it's not it's not something to get hung up on but right. you just can't ignore color and you're in a story of america you right. know complexion for black people it's just it's a, it's a thing Absolutely. Well, I, I, I'm gonna tell you though, like, but again, you was... don't get hung up on it, right? Hallie no, but... Bailey and mm. Sierra, they did the thing. Yeah, but and it, and, it's and a it, note. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting that it with this a cast this big that I just never. It was really like you know, I remember back in the day when they had the dream team basketball team that went over to play in the Olympics. Yeah, that's kind of the feeling that. You were like I was feeling watching this cast. It was I just like everybody. It was like it was like they were somebody sat around a room like, look, we are going to who we get. All right, let, let's pull out the list of people who are going to knock this. And out then the Whoopi Goldberg and, made a cameo. 
And I, yes. and then I and it was a, I didn't expect and it that. was perfect. Woody and it was Goldberg perfect. makes a cameo at the beginning of the movie as a midwife who helps Celie give birth, and that's, so that's you just see her in that it one scene. But it was like, what? and it was it gave us just it's like yes, give me a little of the feels, give me a little of the a little, some little yes. of the nostalgia, sprinkle that sprinkle in a little bit, but don't do too much. You know what I'm saying? And. And it's like you're giving respect. Just the mere fact that she's there mm-hmm. means yes. that means that you're in the beginning of this movie and Whoopi approves of it. it, it that's that's, right. that's what you so you're already moving in. That's right. With that correct amount of all right, this all right, this okay, I'm comfortable now. This is this is gonna, you know, go in the yeah. direction it's supposed to. It's yeah. funny that you would bring that up because after I got out the movie theater. It was all, it was a group of us, you know, and it was a group of black women that were clearly like family or something. And what, they were talking and they were like, yeah, because Whoopi was in the movie. And one woman was like, no, she wasn't. They were like, she was a nurse at the beginning that delivered the baby. <laughs> and she was like, what? I didn't even realize that was, a- <laughs> it was so funny. Just listening to them have this conversation because everyone was like, yes, it was. And yeah. she was like, I knew that there was a nurse that helped deliver the baby. <laughs> Were you watching the movie? But it all fell. Oh my gosh. With her. So I think, you know, there was probably at some point she had looked away probably for a second. And yeah. Was just it's just, a sense of what just was happening. Yes. Exactly. But it was just so funny to listen to them have that conversation because when she came out, I was like, yes. I was so happy she was in there. I was wondering if they were going to put um the original. Seely and the original Nettie in the movie, but I guess they, they what I what I was hoping they wouldn't do, but I thought they might do throw Oprah in there for a second. And okay. it's not it's not that I wouldn't have enjoyed that, but I feel like they did just enough. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, of the throwback. And if they did, you know, if they just had people from the original cast popping up in different locations. <laughs> like, All right, no, like, like. Oh, she's giving tickets on the train. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Oh, okay. you, got, you got the original silly serving drinks in the, in the and the right Yeah. Like, All right, y'all. That's like, enough. That's, a, that's enough. Okay. So there is one character that has given me pause from the beginning, from the first movie to this one. And another reason why I wanted to read the book. Which is Squeak? Uh, what's her real name? Agatha something. What she says her no, name? Was, I, I Mary Agnes. Mary, Mary Agnes. Mary, Mary, yeah. Okay, I that scene played by her, Gabriella Wilson. Played by her. I'm like, this is such a small part, but you're here in this movie for a reason. Because it's important. Because it's important. But I was just like, you had to have done something else. And say so that more was about that, bro. Reason. When you say it's important, what 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 do you mean? Well, I won't be, Brittany, you sound like you were- Well, well that was the, yeah, that was the main okay. thing, just that, well, what, be, what, that what was I'm, part of the reason why I was reading the book, because I just didn't understand your part is so small, yeah. it doesn't seem like you're doing something, but although I know you are, but I'm like, your story has to be deeper than what is being able to be conveyed well, in this I, small actually, amount of time. You know what, <laughs> this makes me want to trans, transfer into the story, and I'm going to tell you why, and what I meant by it was important is that- Whatever the size of the role or whatever, like, and however big you think you are, let me explain something. This is the color purple. And, and, and like, if you have an opportunity to, 
be involved with that. I, like if somebody gave me it was like, oh, what you gonna do? You gonna sweep the corner over here? The back? We gonna <laughs> pan past you one time? I'll be back. There. <laughs> you know, He's you're, the you're, happiest broom sweeper ever. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. This is one like we talked about in the beginning. This is just one of those movies that literally, like, it just surprised but bro, me. That, bro, when when Britney was at, was was posing the question about why that character was, um in there and you said it was important i thought you were you meant you 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 for the story value of that character oh i'm so okay i because i have thought, thoughts what, on what that, I meant, but I, that's okay. what i thought you were no no, no. What, what i meant okay we're on the same page now what i meant was what i thought Brittany was saying was just um commenting on it was a smaller role for somebody like her God. That, that, oh, that, no, that's no, kind of no. what I yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I'm okay, not, so so, so yeah, but, but sis, I appreciate I appreciate you raising it because I here's what I thought that character was doing so part of what you see if you if I was going to try to summarize this movie um it is a story of 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 women becoming empowered in different ways and in for these particular journeys that are examined a lot of it is overcoming, um, you know, male relationships, men that are are oppressing them in some way. And so the character of Squeak, you have to remember, she is the second wife or partner of Harpo. Harpo has obviously, he's attracted to strong-willed women, right? That's who he fell in love with. That's who Sophia was. That's what he really actually was quite attracted to. But then um, when that didn't work out, and again, it only didn't work out and it wasn't because he wasn't emotionally happy in his relationship. It was because he was trying to bring the paradigms that he thought should live in a relationship into the relationship, even though they didn't organically live there. He was trying to, to, to be superior to her in the relationship and it just wasn't panning out. Um, so we see him in his second relationship really he's he's found someone who he can dominate and so what we saw is harpo someone who we know to be of all of the men that we're seeing he has it seemed learned a lot of the lessons from the women that he has observed and it seems like he is striving to have a more balanced experience in terms of his male female relationships than the other men his father his grandfather, these other men that he's seen in his life. But then we see Squeak trying to assert herself and he just ignores her. He walks right by her. And so even this guy who's more evolved than a lot of the men in the movie, he's still talking over her. So sis, I thought that it was another story of a woman who was trying to get her voice She's literally sitting there living her life with a man who owns a juke joint and he won't let her sing. You know, yeah. she was like, but I sing. And he's literally just moving right by her. Yeah. You know, she's trying to, there's a, there's a one, it's a scene that's like 30 seconds where she is bringing drinks out to some men who are at the juke joint and they show her such complete disregard. They just take the drinks and walk on by her. She's just being completely disregarded. And by the end of the movie, she has left that town and she's gone to Memphis with Suge and with Celie. And she's now trying to, to, to find her own. 
So mm-hmm. sis, in my mind, yeah, it's not a, a role that had a whole lot of lines, but it was just another example of a woman who had found herself in an oppressed situation who asserted herself and had, had made her path. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting that yeah. I didn't know anything. I don't know anything about the book or didn't know anything about the book. And the fact that the, so the book is basically her letters assembled in, into like a narrative. Yes, it's more like a, more like journal entries. Okay. So I feel like it's journal entries to God. And then mm-hmm. at some point you have letters to Nettie. Okay. Um, so it transitions into that. And in because the, I, the journal the, entries are like conversations. Mm-hmm. And that makes, that makes the story better for me because my, the part that was hard for me, more so in the, uh, watching the first one than the second one, is that the way masculinity and relationships are represented in this movie was just difficult for me to accept that that, like, there were no positive depictions of family or masculinity in this movie. And I, I think people should tell a story however they you know want to tell a story. So it didn't detract from me being able to understand the story. But what would make because being in a world in general where there's just every man is just how they were depicted, you know, just these not you know these horrible people in, in many cases where. Um, Every, you know, it's not like everybody's like that. You know what I mean? And, there, and that's how it felt. But if it's all coming from the, the concept of a person just telling their experience, I can visualize a person being in a situation where everything they see is is that. You know what I mean? It's just bad, you know, not, you know, bad fortune or whatever you want to call it, that just everything that they see is like that. And for me, that even makes the story more palatable in the sense of the everything is taken from the perspective of this person. And we know people who have just had our lives, you know what I mean? And and she and, and, and also if you if and I think about our families, we have a lot of very clear vicious cycles that are playing out. And there are some that are unique to our dad's side of the family, and there are some that are unique to the mom's side of the family. But you go to those families, and these are you know, frankly, these are very, we're very functional, privileged people on the scale of things. Okay. And, um, and there's some vicious cycles playing out. It just so happens that our two families don't have physical abuse and, um, sexual molestation as cycles. But I'm just going to say, if you look at what our cycles are, they are playing out over and over and over again through the generations. And so I see, uh, I can see how a cycle plays out in the family because I see them playing out in ours. You know, yeah. we just don't happen to have these particular ones that are de- featured in this movie, not on a large scale, you know. Um, but um, so that that's that's why for me, it could be true, you know. But it's funny you mentioned that, bro. It, it, in the, and again, I know this from... <laughs> um they talked about a little bit in the documentary but i i believe um but i I may have also just read a little bit about it the 19 oh no this was a separate interview that i watched of alice walker back in the day 
Okay, so this was like in the 90s, this interview. So apparently when the movie came out in 1985, the NAACP was picketing it. All of these Black groups were picketing it because of the way Black men were depicted. Really? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And, I would tell you that what, makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. But of, course, like, but, of, <laughs> but of course, the truth of it is, it's because, and this is when you look at the footage of the time, what the people in the movie were saying, what Alice Walker was saying, what they all were saying was, well, if you only have one Black movie, you only get to tell one Black story at a time. And so this particular story has these themes. If there were five Black movies up, one of those could have a different theme about Black men, you know? But they were they were really boycotting and protesting well, I the movie. What I would have said, like, watching the first one, I, I would have just... I, to me, if you would have just added... And this is just me, what I would have wanted. This is the... Like, this is just a person watching the movie... And I respect movie writers for writing the story that they they want to write. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I'm just saying subjectively from my opinion, if there was just one example, not even a main character, but just like somebody who had enough of a speaking role that was just a person who wasn't horrible, you know what I mean? Like a man who wasn't horrible to kind of just throw some balance in there. I would have every you could left everything else the same, but I but it would have just been in a better context for me that it's just like everybody's not like this like everybody's just not abusive people who are trading their daughters around and you know what i mean like all of this and disowning people and you know what i mean like everybody's not like that mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um it would it would but i will say this moving into the new one that was one of the things i really liked about the story because they when you see the movies almost two and a half hours long Right. I'm like, all right, this is about to be Get a ready. long one. <laughs> but I didn't feel it. And it's At because all. the pacing of the movie is so good. And okay. everything, everything from the original movie that you're like, okay, that scene was a little long. You know what I mean? Like, like when, when they were originally breaking up Sealy and, and Betty, you're like, okay. You know, it was like it felt like 10 minutes of them just fighting, you know what I mean, in, in the beginning. And it's like, we understand the idea that you're trying to get to us right now. We can we can move on. And I feel like all of those little rough patches is like, it's like, okay, we got 40 years of reflection, right? So we know we can, we can like after thinking about it for this long, we can make, make this move a little faster. We can put this scene here instead of there. And it just made the whole story flow so much better. It just, it just, it just really because you can take all of the musical numbers out, and you have this movie would be a very streamlined movie. You know what I mean? It would be, a, it would be a very succinct story, absolutely. Which allowed you to, enjoy, but it didn't lose anything. Mm -hmm. They, they hit all. They didn't take stuff out in the sense of making the movie feel different. And that's why I respect when they're saying that it's a reimagination because it's, it's different, but I still give them respect for not losing some of the soul of the, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing one. I wanted that came to my mind whenever watching the original um, is that it starts, the movie starts in 1909. And that is essentially 44 years out of slavery. Right. 
So when I think about what they're portraying in this movie is even more complicated than we can really, that you can get across, right? Mm. So seeing all these men be terrible to me is a reflection of individuals who are just maybe a generation out of slavery, maybe two. So if your view in the country that you've been brought to, that your ancestors were brought to, and your view of masculinity is what white men were portraying during that time, you are selling your daughters. You are sending them off to marry them off to men. You are disowning your daughters. You are raping your, your daughters. You're, you're doing these things because this is what you saw. Not because this is who you are. This is what you've been taught. Mm-hmm. This is what you see. And this is what comes out of trauma. Yeah. And so for me, when I'm watching this movie, I ached for everybody. When yeah. I was watching the original 100%. one, I ached for every last person that you think that this is okay. This is not just something you were born with doing. This is something you learned. Mm-hmm. This is something you saw. This is something that was taught to you that you think that this is okay. Your own flesh and blood to, to let them go. And so when I, when I see that, I don't, it it is, it's not shocking to me that it was, um, that they were trying to, you know, make sure it didn't come out. And I will say that it did seem a bit more vicious, but also I think this is a part of the story when in the original one, we don't write the story. When we're not the main producers of it, when, when we as Black people are not telling our own story, this is some of the things that can happen in the movie versus what happened this time, which you got to see redemption. Mm-hmm. You got to see forgiveness. Yeah, yo, that was mm-hmm. that was that was big. That and it was huge. That was sitting there my annual Easter dinner. This man that was terrorizing me since I was fourteen for almost thirty years, and you're here, and we're laughing, and you got on my platinum britches mm-hmm. that I that I sold for you. You bought my ugliest hair britches, and you mm-hmm. wore them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it and it felt like it felt authentic. Totally, it, 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 like it felt like how it would be. You yeah, know they, like, they, had, like if, they had constructed such a complex character in Seely that we could understand that in all that she had experienced that she could actually get to that level of forgiveness. Yeah. We want, we we understood that she had that capacity. And but and she didn't break though. Because it, it's and, like yeah, that's right. Because the, the, there are certain people, forgiveness is really for for the person forgiving. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it's like you're not carrying around. Mm-hmm. This burden of this other person or what they did to you. So, but you still know you're not getting back into my life, though. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like you're, you're like, I'm not going, like, I believe you. I believe and I forgive you. I believe you and all that. But it's just too, there's just too much. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Will we, like, will we going to be sitting next to a fire together now? Like, this, that, that, that mm-hmm. there's too much history going on. But um, being able to see how, that arc ended. I, I really liked that. I, yes. really, I really liked how it was like, and it really made me feel like he understood what happened. It was like it wasn't like he wasn't just fronting. You know what I'm saying? He was life hit him hard, all upside the head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he had time to reflect. And it's like, yo, 
And that part of him that did that reflection and became a better version of himself. So many people do not do that. There are so many people that you remain that evil individual that doesn't want to grow and you don't want to become better because you feel you're justified in how you are. And And there are people who never forgive and they just carry around the anger and the resentment um, and as valid as it is, but they continue to live in it. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to find a way to get through it, get absolutely. Through it. And um, you, you, when you were talking about, um, you know, the value in people of color telling the story of people of color, because you get a chance to have a level of complexity mm-hmm. that is authentic. Um, so Steven Spielberg was a producer on the original 1985 version and this one, and so he was interviewed in the documentary. And he said that when um, uh, Quincy Jones brought him on for the 1985, he originally said no. And he had declined a couple of times because he felt like it needed to have a black person doing, doing that role. And um, he didn't, he didn't feel he could, he should do it. And Quincy Jones, um, you know, convinced him to sign on. And Quincy Jones convinced him to sign on by saying, you did E.T. just now, didn't you? But you didn't go to Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Exactly. So (laughs) as colorful and interesting as that anecdote was, um, I walked away with a couple of things from it. So the first piece is I appreciate that Steven Spielberg at least acknowledged that he may not have been the The right person. person. Yeah. And that there might have been an opportunity to have someone sitting in that seat that was closer to the experiences that were being portrayed on screen. I appreciate that he just acknowledged it, frankly, you know. Absolutely. Um, And second of all, I appreciate that um, in the 2020s, I don't know what the makeup of the, 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 the team was for the 1985 movie. But for this one... They had a black choreographer, Fatima Robinson. They had a black makeup director, Carol Rashid. I mean, when you are watching a documentary, you see black leadership all throughout this team. Okay. Now there were, it wasn't all black. So it's not a claim of an all black. So for example, the set set director was a white man, you know, Um, but it was, there was black leadership. And I really feel like that is, but that is what contributed to this one feeling so truthful, not overdone, not underdone, but just hitting a note of, of reality that was just consistent throughout, you know? Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, again, just a couple more little tidbits from the documentary. Just to, why did this movie feel so excellent? Why did it feel so well done? Um, well, first of all, it had a $100 million budget, so that'll do it. Uh, but second of all, uh, <laughs> you're doing good. You, you, should get some, you should get some quality content out of that. <laughs> um, but second of all, it was just the work done. So for example, the scene of the Suge dance scene, okay, they did 88 takes of that scene. Of that one scene of the Taraji P. Henson, she said they would just ice her knees in between takes and she'd have to go and do it again. And it's because- So respect to them and her. 
it has to be shot from multiple angles and you know this piece might need to be changed 88 mm -hmm. takes for just that one scene another Listen. i'll give one more little tidbit of the just the thought and the planning that went into this thing that swamp area where the juke joint is yeah. that was an actual man-made lake that existed that was used for fishing that they drained it took them two months to drain the lake they drained it and then built the structures they needed and then filled it back up <laughs> over two days that that's the level of set design we're talking about here folks okay this shows. and this that shows. is why it all felt so cohesive it was so you good know, and so authentic so we've talked about the music, y'all. We've, we've we've covered some great anecdotes as we talked through the casting. We've talked about um, the story itself. Um, is there anything else you all want to cover before we go to the vote? Uh, I think that it's important to name the love relationship between Celie and Shook. Yeah. Um, and just that you got to see a freedom that was happening for the both of them. Mm. Um, but I think for Celie as well, uh, because Celie in this, in the movie, just in the story, I'll say that. Mm -hmm. This is, Suge is one of the people that was giving her confidence um, and was showing her how beautiful she actually is. Mm -hmm. and something that I'm sure many people were expecting to see in the movie was that part from uh, the original movie of You Show Is Ugly. Um, I haven't gotten to the part in the book yet to see if that's what actually happens because there are a couple of things that are in the book that are like, it's a neither one of these movies. Um, but that I haven't seen if that happens in the book yet. But they didn't do that in this movie. And so I appreciate that. Um, I don't know if they took it out on purpose. I don't know if it was in, not in the book, like whatever it might be, or just realized because the reimagining, you don't need it. Um, the world is already telling Celie she's ugly and the world is already telling Suge she's beautiful. You don't need it. And so seeing this friendship become more and then seeing them share that love song between each other, I just thought that it was a beautiful uh, showing of women being in love, women empowering each other, uh, women looking out for each other, but also showing um, not just some over-dramatized became a love relationship situation. No, you're really feeling this love between them that is almost the love that she was having for Nettie that she's having for Shug. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure um, that that was named just I'm about so the beauty. I'm so happy you talked that. about that. I'm so happy you talked about that, just because we can't, we can't wrap this podcast without really talking about the sisterhood aspect of this film and the, the friendships. I mean, it was that relationship, sis, that really was the awakening for Celie. But mm -hmm. she had other women that really became sister friends. You know, she had Sophia. Um, you know, she had, at some point, she even had Squeak, you know. Yep. Um, but it was just, it, and of course it was her sister, you know. Um, 
And it was really through those relationships that she was able to, to eventually find strength, find safety, find self, you know? Um, And so this movie is definitely, as much as we've talked about the movie being about forgiveness, as much as we've talked about the movie being about, you know, redemption, it is also a, definitely a movie about sisterhood and friendship, you know? I'm so happy you you didn't let us rat without hitting on that. Um, That was it. I wanted to make sure that that was named. Um, Well, there's, there's so much we could continue to talk about because the movie was so rich. I mean, if this was a uh, 15 hour podcast, (laughs) we could go, um, just keep on going actor by actor. You know what I mean? Character by character. Because every character had a had a a fullness. Every character had a a complete story. There's nobody that was left dangling at all. Everybody had an arc. And that, mm-hmm. that doesn't always happen. Um but because of time. Oh, well, mm-hmm. Go ahead, bro. Well, I, I'm just saying you talked about the juke joint. Mm-hmm. But one thing we didn't just mention is that all of the set pieces, like the movie is visually oh, amazing. It really so, is. I mean, every like every Everyone. scene, every and the lighting. The, um, Oprah talks about in a documentary how the lighting is like like to light black skin as well as it's done in the movie is amazing. You know, it is. It's funny because with this whole thing, me not. I feel like I should have known that, but I didn't know that about uh, that. This the book was basically written from Celie's perspective. And you know the the stories, the stories she's read from the letters and things like that. And it's funny because the way that Medi arrived in Africa, the scene looks like Celie would imagine it if you know if yeah. she was reading. That's right. The, you know what I'm saying? But more than this is actually how it was. It's Celie's imagination. Yeah, but that's Celie's imagination. And so it just, like I said, that that really brings everything into a better... But even that scene, all the scenes were just very stunning, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. And it's so funny, bro. I actually, I I was a little jarred maybe one of the first times that we went into, like, Celie's imagination, that was, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting to have these moments of like these fantasy worlds, you know, throughout right. the film. The first time it happened, it raised my eyebrow, not in a good way. Um, but within seconds of the eyebrow being raised, it just came right back down. Yeah. And tears started flowing <laughs> down my face because I got over it so fast. I was surprised by it though. But it's just because I walked in with these preconceived notions. Um, um because that was truly something unique about this film, that fantastical piece of seeing what was in her brain. I think we have to remember, though, Celie is a child. This movie starts when she's 14. Mm. And her entire life yep. has been, and even in the book you see it, Celie is just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Finally, when she gets into that middle age that we see towards the end of the movie, she's and she's getting a chance to thrive now. Mm. But her entire existence beforehand how do I get to tomorrow? That's Shit, it. how do I get to the next hour? That's it. Without with, with staying alive. All that's I know it. how to do is survive. That's, that's, that's it. it. 
that's it. So I think about, yeah, you're reading these letters and your mind is like an elephant in the trees. Like you're, you're visualizing, you know, yeah. you're, you're walking down and all of a sudden you're walking through a men who are, in, you know, on the mm. prison line. I can't mm -hmm. remember what that type of line mm. is called. Um, and they're doing the, the chain gang. The chain gang. You're, you're walking between people who are the chain gang. Or the gang. prison the, line. The prison <laughs> line. You're walking in the middle of the prison line. Mm -hmm. Listen, so I that's what I think about. I think sometimes we have to remember that many things, so much innocence has been taken away from people so fast. Mm -hmm. um, and called into adulthood. Not in a way that's like, I'm teaching you adultness. Mm -hmm. No, it is, I'm snatching it from you. And now you have to be able to level with these things that are happening to you that shouldn't happen to anyone, whether you're young or old. Uh, but they're happening to you now. And now you have to process in a way that no one's ever taught you how to process. Mm -hmm. So I just think about that. Like she was a kid. She she was 14. And then she, you know, of course we leap through the years. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one thing I've, I've heard before um, from a, like a, a counselor therapist, you know, is that you are where your trauma happened. So if you are, you're, you're 35, but if your trauma happened at 10, unless you're working on it, there's still some piece of you that's that's 10. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think about that for for Seedley. So anyway, mm -hmm. mm. that's my last little thought there. I think, think, think mm. Whoopi nailed that aspect mm. of it. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Just as a footnote. Yeah. That whole, th that whole idea you're talking about. Because she was older and was able to capture that way yeah. of, you know, you could tell she's somebody who has it. Like you said, she got stopped at 14. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and um I and I know we're about to wrap I I want to just share one more little tidbit like I, I watched an interview um again this this interview with um Alice Walker from the 90s and she was talking about her inspiration for the book and she was saying that um a huge piece of it was her just reflecting on her ancestors and um, what she knew about them, the family stories um, and the, the people that she never met and wanting to be in community with these people, these ancestors that she had never met and with using the, some of the stories that she knew, um, she pulled those stories together and they became part of, they became inspiration for or part of Celie's story. Mm -hmm. And then she goes on to talk about um, you know, her parents were sharecroppers and, you know, things like that and the conditions of the the oppression that they experienced and the, the life that they, you know, sharecropping obviously was a setup, you know, and how they were set up um, to, to, to fail. And, um, and of course, because she's Alice Walker, she's telling it with this, like you're, you're, you're this vivid imagery, you're seeing it as she's telling it. And it was, I was happy that I had, I saw that interview because I was able to feel those same feelings when I was watching this movie, you know, just in terms of bro, when you were talking about the visual quality of the movie, mm -hmm. it was like the visuals were, were, were telling a story and, um, you know, it was just another layer on top of the story that was actually being told through the words. And then the story that was being told through the music. Um, and then the story that was just being told through the great acting, you know, the emoting of the actors. So yeah, that visual quality. Oh, so good. So why don't we take it to the vote? 
Well, or or we will have a fifteen-hour podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it this is a classic for me. In fact, I this is one of the few movies I'm gonna buy. Like when, when it when you're able to get the the Blu-ray, I, I'm gonna get it because I just I think it's a very it's a piece of art, and I would I wish there was a genre of movies like this. Like I wish mm-hmm. one would come out every year, like real deal. That is a that is a 1950s modern musical, you know, like that. That, and I didn't know that I could. What's that story? I enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm, you know, we talked about that obviously extensively. So I'm not saying stuff didn't exist at all, but I'm just saying, like this one, I'm like this. You know, this this, this one hit me where I where in my musical feels. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, 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 the new color purple absolutely gets my purple flower. I feel like because it was made with you in mind. It was. Mm-hmm. It was made. I, with you. It was. It was emailed, black I, conscious. It was made. I emailed Oprah to start this whole project. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I mean that on a black level. Like you oh, are a black I'm sorry, man. I thought you, I thought you but that as well because I know you have those connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's what I mean. Like it was made with you in mind. You mm-hmm. are a part of this community. And they they thought about all of us when they were making this movie. That's what the director said. He said, This movie is for our generation. That's what he said. Now, I will tell you all, I am well on the record as saying, like, stop remaking reimagining rehashing redoing making live action i am well on the record of stop saying the re-rees. stop the re-rees because <laughs> there's so many creators out there that are ready to come forth and this this methodology of people already like it so let's do it again i struggle with it and i continue to struggle with it and i want I mean, I just think about there's another musical out there that has been written and it's new and nobody's ever seen it. And the story is new and it could be produced in exactly this way with this team and it would be amazing. But we didn't get to see that. We got to see a reimagining of a story we know already. So that I just want to say, like, I I really think we're missing opportunities. That every dollar that goes into retelling a story, you're, it could be a dollar that's telling us something new. It's just a new opportunity for a new story to be told. Now that said, that is my general philosophy. That said, this movie, I'm going to watch it two more times. <laughs> now, at least two. Now, why did I say this movie? That's a good old movie. <laughs> this movie right there, that's a good old movie. Because um, certain theaters have child-friendly showings of movies you know where they'll say all ages can attend and what they do is they turn the volume down a little bit so it's friendlier for baby young people ears they keep the theater a little brighter and nobody has an expectation of it being quiet because it's like y'all know there's kids in here deal with it okay and so i was already looking up showings (laughs) (laughs) to now go and see it again um, so that me and James and Skylar can all go together to see it, you know. And then I also I just want to have it here, bro. Like you, I want to buy it. Yeah, I want to buy you it. No, um, and I'm gonna tell you all, I have not had an urge to buy a physical copy 
Me neither. In a really long time, <laughs> but I want to get this one. Yeah. The other thing that I want to do is to acquaint myself with Alice Walker. Why I don't know your stuff? Shame on me, Janai, mm. right? Because I do not know Alice Walker's stuff. And I looked up, she has novels. She has poetry collections. She has nonfiction books, y'all. She her her collection of books. It's it's a long list of and she, her list of honors and awards also long. And now that I know her voice a little bit from watching maybe maybe forty five minutes of interviews and things like that, I'm intrigued by her and I'm impressed and I and I'm grateful for her and I her bravery, her creativity, her. Um, willingness to be vulnerable, um, her willingness to assert a truth that might feel uncomfortable to some people. Um, and then also her imagination. Okay. It's like, oh, Alice Walker. I'm not a, I know a late, I should have been a fan of Alice Walker, but now I want to get in there so that I can be a fan in a genuine way. Um, because I, I'm just so impressed by her right now. Um, so for all of those reasons, this movie does get my purple flower. Listen, you know, I will tell you, I don't even really know how to put into words what exactly I'm feeling. Um, the color purple by surprise. You've been knowing the original movie almost it was came out in 85, so it's literally <clears throat> my existence. Um is <laughs> <laughs> so I was not when I was watching the original one. And as I stated before, like, man, my, my heart was just so sad about what I was seeing, knowing that these stories are true. Not that it was based off of a true story, but just knowing that these things happen and have happened and unfortunately are still happening. Um, But it was reading just the preface of the book that there was a piece of it talking and Alice Walker just talking about how this um and I'll just say it the sentence is if it is true that what we run from that chases us then the color purple is the book that ran me down while I sat with my back to it in a field listening reading that part for me it is ringing true for my current state of life that Although I have not experienced anything close to what Seeley experienced, but I have experienced the feeling of feeling ugly just because you exist. You didn't do anything to anyone. You were born. This feeling of just surviving because I have to, I just, I have to. Like, there's no, what else do you do? You go to work. Hello, you got bills but not an aspect of thriving. This whole color purple became a life for me that I was not expecting. It became something so much more deep for me that I can't even convey because mm. I don't have the words for it and I'm still experiencing it. And so for that, I say thank you to the individuals that reimagined. Thank you for the original color purple. Thank you for the reimagining. And most importantly, thank you, Alice Walker, for allowing whatever chased you down in that field for you to yield to it so you could write this book so that in 2024, right, you have someone experiencing freedom. 
And for that, I tell you, thank you. And so without a shadow of a doubt, this gets my purple flower. And I hadn't thought about buying the DVD, which you all know I'm not opposed to that because my collection over here is robust. <laughs> but I still own two DVD players. You're welcome. You can get the VHS. They're I coming do. out with a special VHS. Exactly. Because <laughs> why? I have a DVD slash VHS player I don't want to part with. Yeah, I said it. You're welcome, world. Okay? And so, listen, I hadn't even thought about that, but I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I here just, for purchasing I want to display it on my bookcase. That's, I don't have the robust CD and DVD and movie collection of Britney, but I want to have it and I want to show it on my bookcase. Listen, she has a robust everything else. <laughs> <laughs> there is 8 million things on our bookshelf and I love it. But but that is it definitely gets my purple flower. Mm, wow. Well, there you have it, folks. The 2023 version of the color purple is a classic from the right perspective. Thank you for tuning in, you all. Love you, bro and sis. This was such a great way to y'all. kick off love the y'all. second half of season four of The Right Perspective. Man. Keep watching. Keep listening, everybody. Thank you so much. We love you. All right. Love Bye. you guys. Bye. Bye. Love you.